The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. to bless a mom in a big way. We're here with some of the moms from ACF because we're going to go inside and pick out a washer and dryer for a single mom of two who's in desperate need of a new one. My name is Kaylee and Mother's Day to me is about appreciating all the everyday not everyday spoken things that are done for you and it's a day to just appreciate your mom and everything that she's done and always being there for me. Hi my name is Angie and I'm Katie's mom and for Mother's Day for me is seeing the enjoyment in my daughter's eyes and what she is she's doing to better herself for her children. Um, I am going to school full-time, um, I'm going to be a hairdresser and esthetician, and so it's a struggle getting everything together, everybody's schedule, but, um, my mom and my dad make it possible. thank you all so much for this huge huge gift and words can't describe how much it really is going to help me and my kids and I wouldn't be where I am today without my mom and without the support of my friends and family and it's gonna help me a lot so thank you all very much Happy Mother's Day! <laughs> Hey, let's give it up for the mamas. Hey, happy Mother's Day, everybody. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. We could just go home right now. That was awesome. I mean, that was so good. 
here's kind of what happened. We had heard about a need from a family in our community, uh, just somebody that knew uh, someone in our church. And uh, typically for Mother's Day, what we do is we'll, we'll get like a spa treatment and raffle it off like to the mom that knows the most lines from Frozen or something like that, you know. And this year uh, we took the liberty as our, uh, our staff and our leadership team to, to step out and to take the funds we would have used for that and to take those funds and then go get a washer and a dryer for a family that's new to town. She was going to be a garage sailing for a lot of the things that she needed. And so we were able to step in and give her exactly what she needed. And so we told her that these gifts are from the moms of ACF Church. So give yourselves a hand tonight or today. So anyway, so thankful for that opportunity. So hopefully that's okay. No gifts today, but I think that was way better, right? Um, so anyway, we're, uh, it is Mother's Day, in case you didn't know. Um, if you didn't, ecards.com is where you need to be going right now. You can go there and, uh, try to, try to get something sent out. But I've been, uh, I've been thinking a lot about what to say today. A lot of times churches are maybe in the middle of a series. We typically are in the middle of a series we're teaching through and we kind of say, hey, what's up, mamas? keep going and uh, stay strong. And then we go on preaching what we were preaching. And this year we decided to take a little bit of a break uh, in the middle between series. Uh, So next week we start a new series called Ego Trip. And it's just, it's going to be five weeks of wrestling with some of the ways that our egos trip us up in life. So I don't know about you, but I have an ego and sometimes it gets me in trouble. And so we're going to be wrestling with that together. And I'd encourage you and I want to challenge you, find one friend this week and bring them back with you next week for the kickoff of that series. It's going to be a blast. So uh, be a part of that. But this week it's Mother's Day. And I don't know how you feel on this day. For, for many of you, maybe it's just an exciting day. If you're a mom and you're looking back towards this, this last year, you're thinking about all the ways that you've grown and all the things that you've done, and it's a time to consider uh, just all of the blessings in your life as a mom. Some of you here today are struggling uh, on Mother's Day. Maybe you want to be a mom and you can't, and you're struggling with infertility or something like that. And so today just reminds you of that. Uh, or maybe today you're thinking about that phone call you need to make this afternoon to your mom and you're just dreading it, right? You're just, okay, I'm going to get all the gossip from the family and I just, I'm going to try to get off the phone, but I want her to know that I love her. And so that, you know, gets awkward. And, and maybe some of you have lost a mom recently. And so Mother's Day turns into more of a Memorial Day to remember your mom and, and all that she's done for you. And so I know that we have a whole crowd of people from different places here today, but where we're going to go, I'm going to speak specifically to the women of the room. And so if you're not a mom, it, it, that's, that's okay. I think we have a lot of truth to speak to you today. And, and guys in the room, I think this speaks to us as well. And so I want you to just kind of focus in. We have a few moments together that we're going to open God's word. We're going to seek some truth here. And so we're going to be in John chapter 1, verse 1. And so I'm going to read this, and you can, be, you can read it on the screen. It'll also be uh, in the insert in front of you. But it says this, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me just pray for us as we start off today. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for all of the ladies in this room, God. Thank you for how uh, you have specifically gifted them and brought them here to this moment right now. Father, I pray that we could all be here present. 
today. I know there's a lot of things planned and a lot of things going on this afternoon. Could we just all as a community be here and listen to your voice? And God, would you speak to us? Would you, would you challenge us and grow us? And God, I pray that we would leave changed because we've interacted with our creator. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you can kind of hang out in John chapter 1 as we continue on. Um, You can also follow along in your insert, and there's going to be a Bible in the seat in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that home with you, and that's just a gift to you. And uh, you can also go on the acfak.org website, and there'll be a little header on the top of the page that you can follow along in the notes there if you want to go go green this morning and, and not take a piece of paper. But we had some friends visit us uh, this weekend. We were really excited about seeing them. We met this couple, my wife and I, 15 years ago before we were even married uh, back in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And so great couple, ex-military couple, and they, they got out of the military and they went right in to start working with the denomination that we're a part of, which is called the Christian Missionary Alliance. They're doing some work in Mongolia and just amazing things are happening for the kingdom in Mongolia. And so they said they'd be in town. Uh, They're coming up through Alaska. They're going up to Fairbanks to go visit some friends that they know up there as well. And so we spent a couple days with them and their family. And they are are three years from being, uh, they've been in Mongolia for three years. And so this is a year that they're spending back in the lower 48. And it was just kind of funny to watch them. If you've ever been out of the country for a little while, coming back to the U.S. is just weird. I mean, it just, it just shocks you because you don't realize how many things uh, are different in this context. And so we were, we were hanging out with them. They went to Walmart to get some supplies for camping and they were taking pictures of the toothpaste aisle because there's like 800 kinds of toothpaste to choose from. And they're like, wow, this is just so amazing. And uh, their kids were hanging out in the house and they were just enamored with the faucet. I mean, they were just like, this is so cool. I just, I turn it on, I get water, I turn it off, it stops, you know. And I mean, they're living in a neighborhood that has almost nothing. I mean, these people, they, they live in these little like yurts. Have you ever seen a yurt? It's like a little round wooden house. And traditionally, that's kind of the traditional home. And they, they would cover the yurt in felt. And then their climate is a lot like our climate. They will have times of the year that are 40, 50 below for extended periods of time. And they're living in this little felt covered, covered yurt with a little wood stove in the middle. So this family, they live in an adobe house and they've got this, uh, this coal burning stove. And so in the winter, you have to wake up all night long to keep the wood, wood and coal burning. And you have to start these fires and you put a mask on to, to protect your lungs from the coal dust so you can chip the coal and make a fire. And, and so you spend all this energy just kind of living, just trying to go down to the meat market and get meat for your family. And, and just to keep yourself living takes a lot of energy. And they came back to the, the U.S. and they were just talking about how shocking it is. I mean, these are Americans They've lived like we've lived. And yet after three years away, they come back and they just see this stark contrast between the cultures. And what was really interesting is their kids, although, you know, our house was, was like living in a hotel for a couple days. You know what they said? They said, I can't wait to go back home. You know, they're just excited about going back home. And they as a family are excited about going back home because they have a mission there. They have something they're a part of there. They're seeing Jesus proclaimed and the the gospel is being shared in Mongolia. And, And honestly, that's all that matters. And so I was just kind of taken aback as we were spending time together. And I just kept asking myself this question, what if the things that matter to me don't really matter that much? What if the things that bother me about life here 
aren't real problems? And what if I'm missing the greater purpose of what my life's really about? Because I think it's easy to do that. And when you run into people like that, you're like, man, I just, I feel like maybe there's more to life. And so the the title of the message today is Source of Life. Because I feel like there's some truth to be grasped here that the greatest, deepest, most joy-filled life is found in being someone who is a source of life for others. And I think this family got this, you know, and I think we get so distracted by our circumstances, you know, that we miss out on the greater mission of what we're a part of. So let's look back at John 1. We just read this passage. John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So this John 1, 1 passage is, this is speaking before the creation of the world. He's saying before any other other thing began, anything that you see existed, God existed. All three persons of the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed for all of times is what he's saying here. So this is, he says, in the beginning, which that sounds familiar to you probably because maybe you've heard the passage in Genesis that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this is the beginning before the beginning is what he's saying. He's saying, in the beginning, it was God and nothing else. There was the word, he's saying. In the beginning was the word. And, and this word is translated logos. Or, um, and it actually is it's speaking about the, uh, the expression of God. And, and he's speaking about Jesus. So Jesus is literally the expression of who God is. Not just the idea of God, but just like our words are the expression of what's in our minds, Jesus is the expression of who God is to the world. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there in the beginning. He says, all things were made through him, and without him not anything was made. So we've got Jesus in the beginning, in creation. He's involved with breathing life into this world, and this perfect, creates this perfect environment. And then they create man, and they create woman, both bearing the image of God. It's like we're little versions of God. Like little, little, ver- like when you see your kids and you're like, they're, they're little minions, little versions of you. Like we're little versions of God. We have certain attributes that look like God. And then Genesis 3, we read about the temptation of mankind. We read about the fall of man. We see Adam and Eve and the fruit taken from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we see sin entering the world. And ever since then, we've sort of lost a little bit of who we were meant to be. We've lost who God created us to be. And then in Genesis 3.20, later on, Adam names the woman Eve. He gives her a name, and it says, because she would be the mother of all things living. And so Eve translates to source of life. That's what her name meant, was source of life. And then in Genesis 4.1, after she's given this name, it says that, and then Adam knew his wife, which means... Sex. Okay, so it means Adam knew his wife. So, so then it's like procreation, and we see Cain and Abel. We see, you know, the continued story of humanity. But before any of that, she is given this name. She's named Eve, which means the source of life. And so I wonder, I wonder what if there's something about a woman that makes her motherly before she's ever a mother? I mean, having not had children at all, she's given this name, this identity as, as the source of life. 
And here's the thing. Men, are women, men and women, we're pretty different, right? We're very, very different. And uh, I know this because, so our church is interesting. If you're new here, you're going to see that we have sort of an affectionate man culture in our church. It's just interesting. So it all started, I, I feel like, with a friend of mine, Matt Cornett. Anybody know Matt Cornett? Great friend of mine. Awesome dude. He's moved away. But Matt is this burly guy, and uh, he's a hugger. He is a hugger, and you can't get away from it. And so Matt would always come up behind me, you know, and you wouldn't even know it, but you just kind of feel his presence. And then these big old burly arms and, you know, these like banana fingers would come up around you. And, and then he'd squeeze, right? Like squeeze some of the breath out of your lungs, you know? And, and, and never once when Matt came up behind me to do that was I like, I wonder if that's Amanda, you know? I, I wonder if that's my wife. No, no, no. No, I mean, it's, it's different, right? When a guy hugs you, you can tell. It's like, this is a, this is a man, you know? He's, he's hugging me. It's a man hug. It's just a different feeling, you know? And women are just created so differently. And, and we have such different abilities and attributes, you know? So he says this, continuing on. He says, John 1, 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome it. So it says, in Jesus was life. He is the ultimate source of all life. And he was the light of all mankind. But then we have this moment of darkness. He's referring back to the fall of humanity, that there's sin in the world. We rebel from God. We just naturally do this. But he says, even though there is darkness, the darkness has not overcome the light. The darkness will never overcome the light. Of Jesus. And so let me kind of put this together. Let me, let me package this up because we've kind of touched on a lot of things. So before creation, we've got Jesus there with God. Before creation. And then in creation, Jesus was there breathing life into all things, and he makes you and me in his image. Then humanity is broken, there's sin. And in sin, we sort of lose grip of who we we're meant to be. And then woman is named Eve the source of life. And then Jesus, we know that Jesus came to earth, right? He put on the skin of humanity. He came down to earth. He lived a perfect life. He loved people. He cared for people. He had compassion for the needy and the hopeless. And he brought this, this grace and this hope. And then he ultimately dies for all of mankind. So here's the big point. I believe every woman was designed to be a source of life. Which ultimately means that you will find no greater peace, no greater joy, no greater fulfillment than in living the life and the mission of Jesus. I believe this is, this is the, the truth that I want to get to here because Mother's Day is all about mothers in, in general. But, but what I'm saying here is that Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate source of life. And we're like these little sources of life. And you ladies have been specifically gifted to be sources of life in some really special ways that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Do you, if you're a mom, do you remember that first breath your child ever took? Do you remember, do you remember the terror kind of, or in the fear between the moment when the baby comes out and then the first breath? I just, I remember that vividly because each one of our kids had this little gap, you know, where they come out and I'm like, there's a baby. 
and they're not breathing. And then the doctor comes over and gets the little blue sucky thing, right? And he's like sucking the junk out of the nose and out of the, is this gross? I'm sorry. It's, it's gross. It's a gross experience. And so sucks the junk out. And then, and then there's this moment where the baby goes, you know, they, they breathe, you know? And then it's just this sigh of relief all throughout the room. Like, okay, I, I, we thought that was going to happen, but there's still a little fear that maybe it wouldn't, you know? And I feel like for, for all of us, but especially you ladies in the room, there's something in you that loves that, that just comes alive when you see that, that breath come into someone. We're just, we're created to do it. All of us are created to be sources of life, but especially you ladies, I think you've been specifically designed to be a source of life in the world. But there's struggles, right? There's struggles because some of you already are saying, listen, Brian, I, if I look at my life, I, if I looked around and I was honest, when I walk into a room, things don't always come alive. Sometimes there's just a lot of death when I enter a room. Lots of death. Lots of struggle. I don't say the right thing. I don't do the right thing. I don't parent well. I don't treat my friends that well. I have mistakes. Brian, I don't know where the bar is, but I don't get over the bar that often. I, I get that, you know? I get there's this like collision between who you feel like you were created to be, a source of life, and then who we actually are. And so the church, oftentimes we haven't helped that too much. Um, there's, there's a lot of ministries that are based around this one passage, Proverbs 31. You guys know the Proverbs 31 passage? This is a great passage. So we're going we're to dissect this for just a minute. Does anybody have it like cross-stitched somewhere in the house? Like, a, like on, a, on a quilt on the wall or, you know, the Proverbs 31 movement is just huge. And so I just got to read this for you because I'm just going to read it. It's interesting. So Proverbs 31.10. So I just, you got to read this and just consider who you are in light of this. It says, an excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household and for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaches, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her, work, let her, let her works praise her in the gates. Oh, no secret. She doesn't exist. Amen? Amen. She doesn't exist. Here's the thing. We have taken this verse and created this checklist for biblical womanhood, and we've even like misunderstood what it's intended to be. This, this 
passage is, it's a personification of wisdom. And, and, and it's really talking about lady wisdom and lady folly when you understand where this is coming from. And so what you're reading here is just a personification of what it looks like to live wisely. And so there's a lot of truth here. There's a lot of good things to get out of here. But what I'm afraid of is that so many women have, have read this and been like, oh, I'm a failure. I don't plant vineyards, you know? <laughs> when is the last time you knitted clothes for your children? Ladies, come on, be honest. When's the last time you, you made clothes for your children and you are always an encouragement to your husband? Always, you know? It's like, come on, it's, we're real people. There's going to be a lot of shortcomings here. She does not exist. And that was not the intention of this passage. It wasn't intended to give you a checklist of what it looks like to be a biblical woman. It's really talking about what it looks like to be wise, but the problem is you probably know somebody, don't you, that does this? You, you, everybody's got like that one woman who nails all of this. You're like, she's the Proverbs 31 woman. She plants vineyards. She knits clothing for her children and is always encouraging. And I wish I could be like her, you know. And I don't know for you, uh, I heard one pastor put it this way, that we oftentimes compare other people's highlight reels to our behind the scenes, Right? And so we see everybody else's highlight reels. We're like, look at her. She's so amazing. But we know what's going on in our minds. We know it's messed up. We know what we said to our kids last night before, we, before bed. You know, We know what happened on the way to church this morning. And so we always feel like a failure. And you ladies, I think, do this especially. I think it's a real struggle for ladies to, when you, to look at yourself and often feel really displeased with things. You know, I watch my wife every morning. She gets up and she goes into the bathroom. And she starts putting her makeup on. You know, and she looks at herself in the mirror. And if we're honest, right, every time we look in the mirror, there's always something that's not quite right. And I think for you ladies, you struggle with that especially. There's always something that's not right. And as you get older, there's going to be more things that aren't right, right? It's just how it works. So here's the thing. I believe that God has something special for you here this morning because I think before he ever wanted you to be a Proverbs 31 woman, he just wanted you to be his daughter. He just wanted you to know that he loves you. And my mom did this really well. My mom used to tell me all the time. She said, she always said, I love you and I'm proud of you. She did that really well. I love you and I'm proud of you. And if your mom said that to you, I want to tell you, you have a blessing because you don't always hear that. If you're a teenager and your mom says that to you, appreciate that because not every mom says that. She always told me, she said, I love you and I'm proud of you. And you know what I did as a teenager? right? That's how you respond as a teenager when mom says, I love you. Thanks, mom. Whatever, you know. And I just, I would write it off, which is really unfortunate, you know. It's kind of like this. I feel like like growing up, I used to I used to fill my plate for dinner. It'd be dinner time, and there'd be all this food on the table, and I'd just load it up, right? Just with all kinds of food. And my dad, he'd be watching me, like, all right, kid, you better eat it all, right? If you put it on your plate, then it's yours, and you're going you're gonna to eat it, you know? And so I'd, I'd put it in front of myself. I eat two bites of it, and I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'm going to push it away. And I'd walk over to the trash, and I'd start, you know, shoveling all this food off into the trash, and my parents would freak out, right? It's like, what are you doing wasting food? That's not okay. And I never understood it. I never understood why that made them so upset. Like, why was dad so angry when I would waste food? And it occurred to me that 
It wasn't food that he saw being pushed off into the trash. He saw work and he saw money. And he saw hours of effort that my mom put into making dinner being shoved off into the trash. And I was just thinking about that this week that I wonder if it's like that. I wonder if you know this. If if you are a child of Jesus, if you've received his grace, if you are a disciple of Christ, then he looks at you and you know what he says? He says, I love you and I'm proud of you. And you know what we do? Right? Sure, you love me, you're proud of me, but what about this person over here? You know, what about, what about this thing over here? What about her? She doesn't, she, she makes more money than me or, or she's got a better job than me or her kids are more perfect than my kids or they have kids and I don't have kids. I know you love me, but, which is what I always did to my parents. It's like, I know you love me, mom, but here's all this stuff that matters more to me. And I wonder if Jesus looks at us when we do that and he's like, do you know what that cost? Do you know what I paid for that? Do you know what I gave for that? Jesus comes to earth. He is the image of God. And he comes to earth giving of everything so that we might be in relationship with him. God wants you to be his daughter before he ever wants you to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Just be his daughter today. Know that he loves you and he is proud of you. See, I want you to be satisfied with the love of God today. And the only way that you're ever going to be a source of life is if you are tethered to the source of life. Do you get that? If you want to be a source of life today, if you're like, I get that, Brian, I want to bring life to the things that I do, you're never going to do it on your own. You have to be tethered to the source of all life. That's Jesus Christ himself. And it begins with you just knowing that you are loved and that he's proud of you. And that's the place that you start and you move from there. And so for the ladies in the room, I have, a, I have just a few things for you as we talk about being a source of life. Just a few things that I think can help with this. And the first is this, to just be aware. Just be aware. Isaiah forty nine fifteen says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. So here's God speaking to Jerusalem, to his people. And he says, think of a mother. Think of the way that a mother loves a baby that she is nursing. And that she, she can't forget that baby. He's saying even that love is not perfect. That's, that, that's not a perfect love. It's not always going to be what it should be. But my love, God says, is perfect. So think of that love and then multiply that times a million. That's my love. That's how it is. I will never forget you. I always know what's going on with you. I'm always aware of the things that you're struggling with, of your insecurities and your troubles. I know all of that. God is very intricately aware and all that you're, all that you're experiencing. Then he says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands which I was reading about this, this there's this, this Jewish tradition where they would, in, they would actually tattoo a picture of, of the temple on their hands. And it was to remind them of, of who God is and who they were supposed to be. And so they always had this remembrance of God on their hands. And so God's like, it's like that, but I tattoo you on my hands. 
And I will never forget who you are. I will never forget you guys. I know your needs, and I'm aware of all of your needs. A lot of moms, you know, many of you maybe have tattooed uh, your na- kids' names on your body somewhere. Maybe you've got like a tattoo on your arm with the kids' names, little footprints, right? You know, moms love to do that because it reminds you of these kids that you just love. And God is like, hey, that kind of love, just multiply that times like a million. That's the kind of love I have for you. So there's this certain awareness that God has. And I believe that women in the room, especially you guys, are just gifted with this awareness. You have this way of looking around you and seeing people with needs, seeing people who are hurting. You know, maybe you came into this room today and you looked around and you saw somebody who didn't have anybody they were talking to. Or you can tell when a friend of yours says that everything is okay, but they're really not okay. And so you're really good at asking those tough questions so that you can get down to the root of what's going on with a friend of yours. Whereas I got I to admit, I'm not that aware. Guys, if you feel me, right? Sometimes we're like oblivious. Just no idea what's going on around me. And I love to share daddy fail story, stories. I've got a lot of those because I fail a lot as a dad. So, so a while back, Amanda came into the garage and I was changing the oil on the car. She's like, hey, honey, I'm um, going to the grocery store. Avriana, she's our second daughter. She's upstairs sleeping. You know, she was probably four or five. I'm like, oh, that's good, that's good, whatever. So she, she leaves. I'm changing oil, and I realize I've got the wrong filter. So I'm mad, you know, and I get up in the truck, and I throw the car in gear, and I drive to O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know. And I get to the auto parts store, and I open the door, and I jump out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my daughter's at home, you know. And I jump back in the car, and I drive back to the house, and there she is, just as peaceful as could be. Never knew I left. Never knew. I don't know, I don't know if Amanda even knows that story. I guess she does now. So... Busted. This preaching thing's hard, man. I gotta be honest with you. All your dirty laundry just gets out there for everybody to see. So, yep, fail. Daddy fail. But that's just me. I'm not aware of what's going on around me a lot of times. I just, I'm just not, I don't notice the needs of others, you know? And I feel like, especially you ladies, this is an attribute of God that you are especially gifted to reflect to the world. It's just awareness. Awareness of needs, awareness of where people are at around you. So I don't know what you need to do this week. I don't know if you need to go sit with someone who's hurting. But I think if you were like, yeah, Brian, that's great that it should be that way, but it's not. I think you can develop that. I think you can go be with people who are hurting, <clears throat> hurting. Be, be with people who have issues that, that don't have people around them. We get out of church today and look for that person that doesn't have anybody that's talking to them. Just to be aware of needs. Maybe you need to take a couple kids and just go down to Providence Hospital. And you need to sit with someone who is nearing death and dying that doesn't have anybody to sit with them. Because there are people that are hurting in the world today and they have no one with them. And so for you as a, as a woman, maybe that breaks your heart. And you know, like, I need to be a part of that. I need to be aware of the needs around me. Uh, Amanda, she had some medical issues a while. She had a lung collapse. I don't know if you were here when that, that week. Really weird week. I was preaching. She went to the hospital, and she had a lung collapse. And for the next week, many of you brought us food. You just, you knew that it was happening. I didn't tell anybody. We didn't look for anything. But many of you just brought food to our house, which is such a blessing. You fed our family, you know. And, and you may think that's not a big deal, but that means a lot. And that takes awareness to be like, there's a need, there's an opportunity, and I'm going to do something about it. And so I just want to encourage you ladies. I think that you do that really well and that you can, you can grow in that ability. The next thing is this. Be sacrificial. Be sacrificial. 
I think you are especially gifted for sacrifice, to give. So we've got three kids, and after each one of our kids was born, I talked to Amanda, and it wouldn't take long. It'd be like a couple months, and she'd say, you know, we should start talking about when we're going to do the next one. And I'm like, what? Were you in that room? Did you see what happened? Like, I'm still scarred by this entire experience, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just horror movie stuff. And I'm like, why would you ever want to do that to yourself again, you know? I mean, having done it once and then like three times. I mean, you ladies that have four, five, six kids. I'm like, how do you do this? And she, I remember she told me, she's like, Brian, it's, it, it happens every time. I have a baby, and it's painful, and it hurts, and it's hard. But then, you know, you have this little child, and then it's he, he or she's so beautiful, and you think of all that you're going to experience with that child, and then a few months later, the pain sort of disappears in your memory, and you're, you're kind of ready to have another child, right? And I'm like, that is brilliant. <laughs> and then I realized it's Scripture. So go to, go to John 16. That's why my wife's brilliant, because she knows scripture. So John 16, 21 says, When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Such a beautiful verse. So this is, this is Jesus saying, listen, when you follow me, there will be pain. There will be suffering. There will be problems. You will give things up. It will cost you something to follow me. But he says, this kind of joy, no one can take from you. You guys know that following God is a sacrifice? You guys know that it hurts sometimes. That you have to give things up. But if you've been following Jesus for a while, what you know is that it hurts, but it's all worth it. It's always worth it. And I wonder why I don't remember that. I don't, I don't do that. I don't remember that it's worth it. And I read this passage and I'm like, I need to remember this because, because I know that when I sacrifice for the kingdom, it's always worth it. And it's so strange to me that the things that I obsess about, the things that consume my thoughts are things that can be taken away. Things that are not for sure. Things that one day might go away. And, and he's saying, listen, I want to give you joy that can never be taken from you. So it's so strange to me as I think about this family that's been living with us. They're, they're living on very little, but they are very rich. You just think about that. They, they are living on almost nothing, but they are rich because they are part of God's kingdom work in Mongolia. And I think about myself and I was convicted like, oh, I just... The stuff that I want to get joy from, that I want to get fulfillment from, is stuff that can go away. But over here is a promise from God that following him will give us joy that no one can ever take away from us. So being a, being a source of life always costs you something, but it's always worth it. And so I want to encourage you, especially you ladies, you are descendants of Eve. You are a source of life. You are made to bring life into things. And I know it will cost you something, but it will always be worth it. And for you guys in the room, if you've ever created anything, you know that if you created something awesome, something beautiful, it costs you a lot. It costs you time, energy, money, thoughts. Like you spend a lot of time considering what it is. 
So I don't know what you've built or what you've done with your life, but it has cost you something to create anything of value. And he's saying, listen, the kingdom is the most valuable thing in the world. And so if you're going to invest in it, it's going to cost you everything. Number three is this, be nurturing. Be nurturing. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom. He's talking about nurturing. He's talking about discipleship. It's a Christian word. Or maybe if you're not from the church, you're, you don't know those kind of terms, it's like the term mentoring. To be mentoring one another. You know, biblical nurturing is simply this, to love, to encourage, and to confront. To love, to encourage, and confront. That's what it means to be a nurturer in Scripture. In the confrontation part, you know, maybe you're like, I don't know if that fits in there, but that's all part of nurturing, isn't it? There's confrontation as well. I mean, with my kids, I know this. My little three-year-old boy, he'll sit at the table and be like, Daddy, I need a spoon. And I'll be like, okay, get him a spoon, you know, and I'll bring it over. Daddy, can I get some water? I'll go get some water, you know. And he's, Daddy, can I get another plate? Yeah, I can get a plate, you know. And about halfway back to the table, I'm like, you've got legs? What am I doing? Get yourself a water, you know. And, and then I'm, I'm like, okay, let me, let me help you and, and confront this. Because before I know it, the kid just runs my life, right? I mean, it's just, I don't know why we do that. We're just like getting this routine. If I gotta, it's like, no, wait a minute, you can do things for yourself. And that's, that's biblical nurturing is, is being willing to love, to encourage, but also to confront. And I, I want to tell you guys in the room, especially you ladies in the room, there's a world full of people that need nurturing. You don't have to have kids to do this. But there is a world full of people that need somebody who's willing to acknowledge their existence, willing to step into their life, willing to help them, to love them, even if they're unlovable, to encourage them and to also confront them with the truth. So I want to encourage you guys, find people in your life to do this with. There there are women all throughout this room that need someone to pour into them, that have never had anybody Come to them and say, listen, I think you're valuable. I think God wants to use you for the kingdom. I think that you've been specifically gifted for amazing things. And I want to pour into you. And I want to meet you for coffee. I want to get together with you maybe once every few weeks. And we're going to talk about this. Maybe we're going to read a book together or something. Like, we need this. And not just in the church, in our community. Our community needs this. Think, think about the impact. If every person in our community was both nurturing or mentoring someone and being mentored. Think about how we would grow and how we would develop. So each one of you, and I want to say this too, if you're that person, you're like, listen, I would love that, Brian. I would love for someone to pour into my life. Then you go find somebody. You go find that older woman in the church and you say, listen, I, I think that there's something about your life that, that is worth emulating. And I want to learn from you. And would you be willing to just meet me once in a while for coffee or just to get together at the house? I mean, it's your job to go find that as well. And I look at myself, I look at my life, and man, I, I see people in every season who have been willing to put up with my junk, been willing to look at me and say, Brian, listen, I, I think that 
you are uh, valuable. I think that there are gifts inside of you, and I want to help those gifts to come out. So I'm just going to offer to spend time with you. So I want to encourage you, be a nurturer. Teach, admonish one another in wisdom, as that scripture says. Because wherever you're at in life, there's always someone who's older or younger than you. Always. So I don't care if you're a teenager or if you're in your 60s, 70s, or 80s, you have an opportunity to both mentor and be mentored. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to be a source of life when you do that. It's amazing. So here's the deal. I think many of you hear this and you're like, yeah, source of life, that's great. And all you see are missed opportunities. All you see is wreckage. But I want you to know something. If you know nothing else today, God has given you a name. That you are his child. And then just like my mom said to me, he loves you and he's proud of you. And I think if you get that today, if you understand that piece of your identity, then you can move forward in joy and you can look past all the mistakes and things can change. If you're like, listen, Brian, I have not been a source of life to my family, to my husband, to my friends, to my coworkers, to my, to my, my teachers at school, Brian, I do not exude life. I just kill things. I think things can change today. I do believe in, in, in just even in this morning that you can turn around and you can look at your life differently and you can realize that who you are, if you know Christ, is something that is good. And I'm not asking you or challenging you to do something that you're not. See, I'm not calling something out of you that you're not. As I say, go be a source of life, what I'm challenging you to do and calling out in you is something that you already are. Do you see that? There's hope there. There's hope So I want to encourage you ladies today especially. You are created to be a source of life. And if you don't have kids or you do have kids, I believe God has a a very special plan for you to be investing life and bringing things to life all around you. These are just a few ways that you can do it, but it starts with you understanding that, that Jesus is the source of all life. And I think when you're tethered to him and you trust in who he says you are, you can give life to all who are around you. Let me pray together. Let's pray together. Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for speaking to us today. We just, we ask God that you would work in our hearts. I want to pray for the moms in this room, God. I pray for today as they're going to go out and they're going to go to lunch with their families and their kids. God, that you would encourage them. They would receive their identity in you, God. They receive that, God, they are your daughters before anything, before they do anything right or do anything wrong, God. If, if they have, have trusted in the grace of Jesus and received that today, God, they would know that they are daughters of the King. They would receive that identity. God, I pray for the women in this room who don't have kids. I pray you encourage them, God, as, as descendants of Eve, as, as the source of, of life in so many situations, God, at their workplaces, at their schools, in their homes with roommates and friends, God, that you would encourage them to be a source of life in all those places. God, I pray for the men in this room. God, I know that you've called us to the same and gifted us in totally different ways, God, to be agents of hope and of life into this world. God, so I, I pray that you draw that calling and that identity up out of us and that we rise up to that opportunity to bring life to people, God, to speak life into people, God, and to invest life into those that are needy and hurting. 
God, I pray that, that, that we'd be all mentoring, all encouraging, God, all nurturing into relationships, God, and that we'd also be receiving that from others. God, I just pray for a movement. God, God, just a movement of your kingdom in our church and in our city of people, God, who create life as those who bear the image of our creator. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.